Hey everybody, today is Monday, August 13th, and I'm Josh Boykin, the founder of Intelligame.us. You're listening to another edition of Intelligame Radio. Welcome back to the week. I hope you had a good weekend and that you kept busy, maybe played some good games too. I also hope you came by on Friday for our stream where we raised money for Player vs. Hunger, a nonprofit that is battling food insecurity in impoverished areas in the United States. It was a really cool stream. We played some Battle Chef Brigade and also were able to raise $150. We're taking part right now in an inaugural fundraising drive specifically looking for money for juice boxes for needy kids. So if you are looking to help provide what could be one of the only sweet treats a impoverished or needy kid gets over the course of the day, you should definitely pitch into this fundraiser. The address is intgm.us or intgim.us slash juice money, intgm.us slash juice money. That's where you can go to make your donation. $1 is approximately three juice boxes. So you can help us reach that 10,000 juice box goal in like no time. We're looking to clear our fundraising goal by the end of the month. So every bit that you can pitch in helps. Today on Intelligame Radio, we're going to talk a bit about platform. What it means to be able to have a voice in a space, to represent a particular community, and the power that comes with using that voice. With so many different social media platforms available to us and so many different ways that we can share our opinions, our voices, as well as the opinions and voices of others, it's pretty important for us to understand just exactly what kind of power we're wielding. Let's go ahead and get started. Last week for Let's Teleplay, we streamed Hand of Fate 2, an action RPG that debuted on the Switch a few weeks ago, and it has a really interesting storytelling mechanic that blends this sort of element of tarot with D&D. As we were exploring some of the storytelling mechanics, Intelligame contributor Jenny Windham was in the stream and was talking about how her husband had played the game when it originally came out a few months ago for the PC, that he completely loved it. After we talked about the ability to play the game portably, Jenny decided that she was going to buy the game on Switch, even though she technically already owned the game. Similarly, on Friday during IG Food Friday, when I was playing Battle Chef Brigade, there were people who said, oh, I had never seen this game before. This looks really interesting. I think I'm going to pick it up. Now, whether or not those discussions turned into actual purchases, I'm not sure. And there's still a lot of discussion in the market about whether streaming and Let's Play videos have a positive or negative impact on a game's sales. Anecdotally, I feel like watching a game on stream has encouraged me to purchase a game multiple times, and I can't imagine I'm the only person who does that. But what we have to consider in this case is that our platform, our ability to share information and content with other people can influence their decisions. 
Yesterday, I watched a friend of mine play Overwatch, and suddenly I felt like I wanted to at least update my copy of Overwatch, just in case I wanted to play it. And those of you who know me know that I'm not the world's biggest fan of Overwatch. But seeing my friends having fun, seeing my friends play this game together, it made me naturally think maybe, maybe I could spend some time with it. Though gamers may have a reputation for being isolationist or antisocial, online in particular, we create a community. And being part of a community means that we influence the actions of others, and our actions are also influenced by others. This is one of the inherent powers and dangers of what was deemed Web 2.0 years ago. The idea that it wouldn't just be people who had made their way through gatekeepers who could create content on the internet. It could be anyone who could leave comments, who could share their opinions, who could create blogs. As our world blew up with a ton of different opinions from a ton of different people, we learned and we grew, but we also took on some really bad habits as well. Recently in the news, we've had a lot of discussion about deplatforming folks who are voices for hate. People who use their platforms to spread what is now commonly called misinformation, but what used to be commonly called lies. The inherent vulnerability in our system, or the inherent vulnerability in human communication as a whole, is that once a message reaches your senses, you can't do anything to stop receiving that message aside from removing it from your senses. If somebody puts a sign in front of you and you see it, you can't just choose to not read it. If somebody is yelling around you, you can't choose to not hear that message. Similarly, in social media, when somebody hits the share button and the algorithm of your platform of choice decides to put that information in front of you, if you haven't gone through and created the blocks, the conditions, the whatever necessary to prevent that information from coming to you, you will consume it. Now, naturally, you have the opportunity to quote-unquote do your research, to look around and figure out, well, did this game really deserve the scathing review that this person gave it? Did this particular YouTuber or Twitch streamer really say something that scandalous? But in the process of having this discussion, whether or not things turn out to be one way or the other, we have to also acknowledge that even just providing that discussion room to breathe gives it power. This is a discussion that I had in an earlier episode of Intelligame Radio called Shining Light or Fanning Flame, trying to figure out whether or not having a discussion about a particular topic and the manners in which we were having that discussion was trying to spotlight a particular issue in the hopes of drawing attention to it, or if we're fanning the flame, are we actually creating a space in which whatever that situation is grows? As we deal with the ever-increasing spread of what is colloquially termed fake news, we have to understand that the things that we say have power right when we say them, regardless of whether or not that thing turns out to be true. Laura Hudson, culture editor for The Verge and a personal friend of mine, recently wrote an essay about the deplatforming of a rather significant internet bad actor. I want to read a couple paragraphs of this article because I think they're particularly significant to those of us who live lives on the internet. Hudson writes, 
Facebook VP Andrew Bosworth wrote in a memo titled The Ugly that leaked earlier this year, Maybe it costs a life by exposing someone to bullies. Maybe someone dies in a terrorist attack coordinated on our tools. And still, we connect people. The ugly truth is we believe in connecting people so deeply that anything that allows us to connect more people more often is de facto good. The ugly truth is that this isn't the truth at all. It is something uglier and far more uncomfortable. Everyone involved in amplifying the hatred, bad faith, and bullying that has infected social platforms and now the nation is partially responsible for the ugliness of the political and social landscape before us. That it is their and our responsibility to take responsibility and the sort of action that most powerful purveyors of information once used in the past to give no quarter to the bad faith voices that seek to stoke hatred, undermine equality, degrade democracy, and upend the very notion of truth. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Josh, have you gone a little bit far afield? Because this seems pretty different from you playing a game and somebody going to buy it later. Well, I don't think they're that different at all. You see... The most powerful tool that we have on the internet, as far as I'm concerned, is the share button. When we share, when we retweet, when we regram, we're using our personal platform, we're using our personal credibility, and spreading it to people who know us, who ostensibly trust us, family members, friends. When we share that information, there's an automatic acceptance of a certain amount of credibility if the people who read that message trust you. They may be much more likely to take action based on that information you've shared, regardless of how much you actually know about that experience. This is something that even I, as somebody who has created on the internet and been in these online spaces for a long time, still feel like I've underestimated and been shown I've underestimated on multiple occasions. Imagine that your brain has some guards staffed at the front door, and those guards have to process all the information that comes at the front door, and then they get to determine whether or not that information can get let in. Well, your brain guards are more likely to let in the folks that they know and trust, regardless of what they might be bringing in. And your brain guards are also more likely to shut out people that they don't know or distrust or have been conditioned to distrust, regardless of what they are bringing in. Also, I think the brain guards get a little tired after they've been doing guard duty for two or three or four or 20 shifts, and sometimes things just slip through the cracks. The brain guards are, I mean, it's still a job, right? What we have to understand in the end is that we are part of a community on the internet, that we are both creators and consumers, whether we're members of chat or video creators or people who just lurk and hit the share button on our social media platform of choice. What we do affects the people who are connected to us. When addressing what I would term the villains of the internet, the, as Laura said in her article, the bad faith voices that seek to stoke hatred, undermine equality, degrade democracy, and upend the very notion of truth, I think it's helpful to go back to Hudson's article to read the next paragraph on the recommendation of what to do about those situations. 
This paragraph is following up on the subject of the overall article, which is the removal of Alex Jones, a right-wing propagandist on the internet from multiple social media platforms, and his, at the time, lack of removal from Twitter. While many, including Dorsey, that is Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, seem to fear that striking Jones down from media platforms will only make him more powerful, media manipulation research lead Joan Donovan at the Research Institute Data and Society tells The Verge that throughout her work, she has observed the opposite. Once you remove the biggest megaphones from bad actors, their power diminishes and their ability to attract larger audiences and sow disinformation decreases. Instead of promoting no-holds-barred speech, he might instead embrace the principles suggested by Boyd and Donovan in their case for quarantining extremist ideas. All Americans have the right to speak their minds, but not every person deserves to have their opinions amplified, particularly when their goals are to sow violence, hatred, and chaos. But there is a flip side to this as well, and that's what we do when we see sources of positivity, of light, of good energy, of the opportunity to try and make positive differences. And that is where we use our platform, where we hit those share buttons, where we tell our friends and our family and whoever about these things. Earlier, I described this penchant that we have as people to gravitate towards the opinions of people that we trust as a vulnerability. I didn't call it a problem because I don't inherently think it is. We have to pay attention to and understand the ways in which we communicate with each other and the ways that we take information on ourselves. But there are so many representations of beauty and positivity and love and peace and progress and just a general excitement that are things worth sharing and are things that we should be excited to learn about from those that we care about and trust. I would hate to think that the only way that we could make progress in society is to dull all of our senses, to harden our hearts, and become even more resistant to the people around us, many of whom actually do care about us and about the world and want to see progress and growth. When I first heard about Twitch, I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time with it because I thought it was just people talking about a bunch of drama and a lot of screaming. And there is still a lot of screaming and people talking about drama on the internet. But these spaces also give us an opportunity to grow amongst other people, to learn about things that we wouldn't have found out about before. I've watched streams of glass blowing, of sewing, of cross-stitch, of knitting, of any number of creative ventures that I will probably never do myself, but still really appreciate watching, not just to see the art in progress, but also to be part of the community of people who value those skills. We do have the opportunity to signal boost some real terrible things, but we also have the opportunity to signal boost what we love. Being conscious of the tools that we have is critical to success in a world where many of these tools are shaped by people who are concerned less about us finding happiness or prosperity or positive community and are more concerned about creating a system that continually keeps us coming back for another hit. Yes, we can hope that the creators of these platforms will take the correct actions to make these spaces safer, and hopefully we're seeing some of that trend already. But we also have to realize that 
they're not the only platform creators. We are too. And the roles and responsibilities that we're hoping they will take on are ones that we have to take as well. Whether we're massively successful influencers or just somebody who happens to have a Facebook page that we share with our friends and family, we are all owners of platforms right now. We all have this power to help spread the word, whether that word is positive or negative. And, of course, as was once said a little bit in a comic book, with the great power that comes from these tools comes a great responsibility for us to use these tools properly. Let's continue to push for increased accountability and responsiveness to combat issues of hate and oppression and outright lies on the internet. But let's also make sure that we're using our own personal platforms for good, setting an example to those around us and to those above us on how we can make this world on the internet a better place. And let's also share some really great games too. Okay, folks, that does it for another edition of Intelligame Radio. I've been your host, Josh Boykin. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook at Wallstormer. Keep an eye out for more Intelligame content by going over to the homepage, Intelligame.us, and you can also keep up with us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Intelligameus. On Wednesday, we'll be live streaming. You can go to twitch.tv slash Intelligameus, hit the follow button, and enable notifications so that you know whenever we go live. And also don't forget that on Friday, we're going to be doing our IG Food Friday stream starting at 6 o'clock. We'll be playing some Overcooked 2, and it's open to community. So if you're interested in playing with some cool people, grab Overcooked 2 for PC and swing by at 6 o'clock Pacific time for our IG Food Friday stream. And also, please do not forget that you can help contribute to our fundraiser to fight food insecurity in America by going to intgm.us slash juice money. That's intgm.us slash juice money. If you have any feedback on the show, send it over to podcast at intelligame.us. Thank you so much for hanging out. Until Wednesday, have a great one and keep Intelligaming.